darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Oh boy. Uh, this is episode 146 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. That's all I gotta say. Oh boy. Um, what a series for the Blue Jays, and what a series to be a Blue Jay fan. They lose two of two to the, the Washington Nationals, the, who had lost seven in a row coming into today's game. They lose the sweep. They get swept by the Washington Nationals of all teams. Um, they almost make a comeback in game one, and then they blow it. They make the comeback in game two, and then they blow it. They're now four and a half games back in the wild card race as we record this. Seattle, the Seattle Mariners have passed them in the wild card race. Uh, I don't know. I'll let you guys talk first before I talk because I don't know. I don't know. Oh boy. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, it is an oh boy. <laughs> it just. Everything that we spoke about, I guess, at the beginning of this series in terms of how this team needs, you know, a couple games against the Washington Nationals here, an opportunity to gain some ground in the wildcard standings, an opportunity to take two out of two. Uh, on paper, you have Alec Manoa in game one, and in game two, you have Jose Burrios on the mound. What can go wrong, right? And, you know, it just seemed like everything was lined up for them on paper in a good way. And then these past two days happened. I think today stings a little bit more than yesterday, but either way, Regardless, I'm not even going to say, actually, I take that back. Both games sting. Uh, just in the exact same amount of, I guess, in just the exact same amount. Because first of all, uh, the Jays lose 12-6 to in game one. And then today they lose 8-5. to What was it? 8-5. to Two games here that they let slip away. And all of a sudden, uh, you're looking at the standings now and you're wondering, is it over? And a lot of people are saying it is over. Uh, the Seattle Mariners are now in front of the Blue Jays, so you can add one, two, three, four teams ahead of them right now in the wild card race. Uh, this went from what a what a run these past two weeks in terms of a homestand, uh, in terms of making ground up in the AL East in the you know the AL wild card, and then all of a sudden we took a ninety degree nosedive. I think it's safe to say it was a ninety degree nosedive, and when I say nosedive, it was a complete uh, face plant. It was a complete collapse ever since. It feels like George Springer went down in Seattle. Uh, the The season has pretty much been gone for the Jays in terms of it being done. Uh, I know there's still time. I know there's still some fans who think that there is a chance. I guess you can never rule it out. But when you look at it now, you have a three-game series coming up against the Detroit Tigers this weekend. You have a four-game series against the Chicago White Sox. And then you have another series after that with the Baltimore Orioles. So you have a long homestand coming up. And then even after that, you have Oakland for a weekend uh, in early September, the amount of ground that this team's going to have to make, or the, the, the run that this team has to go on. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the cards that are lie ahead of them here, uh, it's pretty much slim to none. I mean, it, you, making up four games 
It could easily be five games by the end of the night tonight. It could be. Um, the, the, the run that these guys would have to go on just seems like it's going to be out of this world. There's so much to, I guess, talk about in a bad way in terms of what happened these last two days in Washington. So, Jacob, I'll hand it over to you in a second. But, yeah, um, complete, complete uh, depressing. It feels like I've lost my soul for this team in terms of the excitement, in terms of being a fan. It just... Everything, I guess, entering this road trip, even before the Angel series, it feels like all that hype now is all, like, every single one of it, it's gone. So I, I I don't know what else to think of now. I don't know where they go from here. We know that they lose George Springer, and then he, right, quite possibly, for the rest of the year. I mean, if, if the Jays are out of it, why would you bring him back? I mean, but that's another discussion for the future. Who knows when he's back? And the bullpen, what we've seen time and time again this year, in just many different ways, I guess, in terms of someone like Rafael Dolis, who gets DFA today, uh, Brad Hand today, I, I just, at this point, I laugh about it. Brad Hand coming in today, we know what happened today. It's just, uh, it's been a similar outcome time and time again, something that we've been dealing with all year, something that we're quite used to, which is very sad, which is why, you know, I'm at the end of the day, you know, when you have a one-run lead in the seventh inning, when you're entering the bottom of the seventh, you get excited because of the Jays. First of all, Corey Dickerson and Marcus Simeon go back-to-back. All of a sudden, the Jays take the lead in terms of, and I'm talking about game two. But then you realize you have three innings of a bullpen to hold a lead. And uh, it, uh, it, it collapsed pretty much the very next inning. So, I mean, again, a similar outcome. It's just, I don't know what else to say other than that. Everything that we've been used to this year happened. Good offense not being backed up by pitching, and that is the reason why the Jays are 63-56. and 56. There's, there's a reason why they have lost so many winnable games, and that is the reason why they're currently four and a half games out of a playoff spot now. I'm going to be a little bit optimistic. At least we're done with the YouTube games. That's a, a start, but nah, this series, this was the absolute worst case scenario, I would say, for the Blue Jays. They go into it games that you should win and mark you said it they should sweep this series it's reasonable to expect a good team to beat a bad team didn't happen it it didn't happen and the blue jays right as they were crawling back in in game one made it eight to six washington goes back and and makes it a 12 to six game and then that's the end of it and then same thing with today i mean they had the lead and they lose that not a good series and i think the worst part about it is is you have brad hand from the Nationals come to the Blue Jays and Riley Adams go from the Blue Jays to the Nationals and to two very different positions. I'm not going to necessarily compare them entirely, but Brad Hand goes five for seven with two, two doubles, a home run. Brad Hand goes two thirds of an inning with three earned run and a walk. Not a very good outcome for if you're the Blue Jays. And uh, like I said, you can't really compare the two positions, but to consider this is what you got and this is what you gave up. Even if it is just one series, it's not a good thing if you're a Blue Jay fan. And even just besides that, this road trip was a disaster. You, you split LA, you lose to Seattle, now you get swept by Washington. And Mark, I think you said they need to go 31 and 14 or whatever. Even, whatever the, the win percentage was, it was in like the 600s. If the teams ahead of them in the wildcard standings play at their current pace, I imagine they're going to need to win at least 70 percent of those next couple games or the rest of the games and that's going to be tough I mean can't guarantee that the Red Sox are going to keep losing can't well I mean maybe with them but you can't necessarily guarantee with Oakland with the Yankees even Seattle I mean 
Seattle owned the Blue Jays, so I can't even trash them. But it's it, it was an awful, awful series. All you can hope is they come back, go home, go on a somewhat of a run, if that's even possible at this point. You lose all your momentum. You, I mean, you lose George Springer to, I think it was a grade one or grade A or whatever it was referred to, uh, knee sprain. Yeah, grade one knee sprain. So it's looking like two to four weeks. It's Apparently it's less severe or a little bit less severe than what Bo Bichette suffered last season. However, he missed 30 games, so I'm going to anticipate something similar maybe 20 games at best but then there's rehab and whatnot and this this team is just the soul was completely sucked out of them and it it's definitely it's a very very bad situation I think right now and it's probably I haven't I don't think I've said this all season but I think it is time to hit the panic button and maybe write this season off and just say we're finishing it off with whatever we're going to go back next season we know who's going to be in our rotation Hopefully we know our infield and outfield, and we'll try to make a run for it uh, with with the guys we have. Yeah, to me we are long past the panic button. Like the panic button was two miles ago on the highway. We are so far past that at this point. Like, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but to me it's over. Like, the, if you lose two games to the Washington Nationals and fall five games back of a wild card with forty games to play like you're out of it there there's no chance and on top of that you lose George Springer for the remainder of the season I know last episode I said that if Springer goes to the 10-day IL at all even if he comes back immediately after those 10 days you're done this year and looks like Springer could be out for the season so I stand by that assessment I think they're done and I hate to say that obviously I don't take any joy in declaring the Blue Jays dead because I am a Blue Jay fan but it's as simple as that. The odds of you going on a run in this situation without George Springer, to me, it's slim, if not impossible. And you look at the numbers for, like you said, J- uh, Jacob, for making the postseason. Uh, the Blue Jays are probably going to need at least 92 wins to make the postseason. That's what it's looking like right now. With the Yankees surging, you know, you got Oakland slumping, you got Boston slumping, but right now it's looking like 92 wins. The best 44-game stretch of the season, they have 43 games left uh, before the end of the season, but the best 44-game stretch that they've been on this year is 28 wins. They have to win 29 wins to get to the end of the season and make the postseason. So, And you're looking at doing all that without George Springer. If he's on the injured list with the momentum that the team has right now, I just don't see it possible. I mean, the the best 44-game stretch the Blue Jays have had this season without George Springer was 25-19. and 19. So I I really don't see it as possible. If you got to win 29 games, including some head-to-head matchups against Oakland, against New York, they got seven games against New York left, four games or three games against Oakland. Like, I just, I don't see it as possible. I don't think the Blue Jays can do it. And it's unfortunate, but... I think they're out of it, and I'm willing to write off this season. So definitively for you guys, do you think, like, like are you in or are you out on this team? Are they sticking around, and do they have a chance? Or are you kind of, you know, the ship has sailed for you, you're done with the Blue Jays this year? Because I'll still watch games, of course. I'll still be cheering for them, but I I really do not see it happening. Listen, uh, <clears throat> it's tough because... <laughs> You, you go back and forth. Well, I, I've been going back and forth. Is it over? Is it not? Of course. Here's the thing. I'm not going to... My expectations are pretty much at zero. I'm going to make it clear to you guys. They're at zero. 
However, is the do they still have a chance? I I you know mathematically, of course they do. They need a lot of things to go right. You mentioned the math, and the only way I really look at it now is. I feel like the Yankees aren't going to get caught by any of these teams behind them. I think the Yankees have really taken that next step, and I think that they're going to be uh, sitting in that first wild card spot for maybe the rest of the year and maybe host that wild card game. But the Red Sox have been on the downfall um, ever for I guess the last couple of weeks now, ever since the All Star break kind of ended, and I think that you need the Red Sox to continue to lose, and of course you need Oakland to lose. I think that's your only chance. I'm getting to the point now where I'm forgetting about the Yankees, and I have the sights on that second spot. Again, um, the math is, its obviously they still can get in mathematically, but my expectations are pretty much zero to none. So I guess that puts me in, inst- or keeps me in, just because I'm not ruling out any last-minute miracle or not, but... We all know that what you went over what needs to be ha- uh, what needs to happen and whatnot. So it's just the the expectations are not there, and it's unfortunate because this is a talented team. We've been saying this for I guess um, ever since the season started, going back to April and May, that this is a very good baseball team. But unfortunately, going back to what I said at the top, where it's been a similar outcome, it's a good baseball team who is not backed by a good pitching. It's backed by a horrendous bullpen. You have one to two guys that you can maybe rely on, maybe three. Um, Jordan Romano obviously is that top guy. We know that. Other than that, you have maybe Adam Simber. You have a few other guys that you can maybe rely on as well. But other than that, there's nobody. And, you know, post-trade deadline, you make some moves. You make some some additions. You acquire Brad Hand. You acquire Joaquin Soria. Um it wasn't good enough, and I think we're looking at it. We're, we're we're looking back at it now. It's not good enough, and I think the one thing you can take away from this as well is at least you now you know going into the off season what the priority is, what the focus is on, because the lineup's going to be coming back minus Marcus Simeon. Um, you have pretty much most of your rotation penciled in for next year minus Robbie Ray. You hope that one of or if not two of them can come back at the best case scenario, but of course you can't guarantee that. Uh, I just think that this team now heading into the offseason has a direction of what they have to focus on. I think that they're past the point of adding key bats in the lineup. Of course, they're going to be looking for it, but priority number one, and it wasn't last year. Last year was signing George Springer. Priority number one this winter will be pitching, uh, just pitching regardless sign whoever you see, <laughs> whoever has a decent ERA. Uh, I think it's pretty you know, pretty straightforward of what they have to do. A lot of things need to go right this year. This is still a fun team. It's just, you know, in games like this, you want to talk about today. Brad Hand was, uh, well, first of all, Charlie Montoya makes the change. He takes out Adam Simber for Brad Hand. Some people aren't happy with the move that he did by pulling out uh, Adam Simber. Some people don't like that move. Uh, but of course, you do, you make that move. There really isn't anybody else here in this bullpen. You have Tim Mazur, who already came out uh, before. Obviously, Simber came out in the seventh inning. Uh, Taylor Saucedo is another lefty who pitched yesterday. I think Kirby Sneed pitched yesterday as well. Who else are you going to go to in that situation? Now, maybe is it if it is on Charlie Montoyo, why are you pulling Adam Simber? But on the other hand, I still don't blame Charlie Montoyo. I just think it goes back to what we th- we've, we've been saying all year. These are his guys. And Brad Hand, unfortunately, who's had a horrendous season, his ERA is above four now, and his Blue Jays tenure has been a complete disaster, a complete disaster. Um, he's your best guy to go to in that situation. Now, do you pull him? Adam Sibber, you know, do you go back and maybe keep him in? Maybe, but this is what you get with a team who doesn't have good bullpen pitching. When you have a one-run lead, 
you know that it's going to be tough to hold on to this lead. This team needs to score a ton of runs. It needs to be, what, at least a four to five run deficit for you to kind of feel safe about winning a game going into the eighth and ninth inning. And it really isn't fair to the offense. Look what the offense does when Corey Dickerson comes off the bench. Marcus Simeon goes back to back. Look what they did to get back into this because, of course, today you fall apart in the first or fall behind early, 3 nothing in the first inning after Jose Barrios gives up a three-run shot to Juan Soto. I mean, you, you work your way back, you claw your way back. I mean, it, it's tough to ask more from the offense after they do that. And you give up, what, you give up, uh, or the, the Nationals take an 8-5 to five lead in the 7th inning, and you're asking the offense to go out and do it again. It's just, it's tough to do that, and it's almost unfair to do that. So that's why it's the same story. There's a lot to take away from, though, because now you have your priority, you know what you have to focus on. But mathematically, they're still in it, obviously, but you need a lot to go right. You guys did the math. It's pretty much zero to none at this point. So that's where I take away from it. And I'm disappointed for sure because this group is a very good group. Who knows what the group's going to look like next year. If people Like again, if Marcus Simeon or Robbie Ray are back, it's unfortunate uh, that it came down this way. But it's just a wild turn of events in terms of what we saw last week when they were at home at Rogers Center and how quickly this road trip pretty much flattened all hopes, if not if pretty much anything, in terms of a last-minute playoff push. Uh, and we'll see what happens from here. But you have the only really the only thing that really looks promising uh, from the Blue Jays standpoint is the schedule. But I mean, these last two games also look promising too, and you didn't take one of them. So you know the Jays have to win these games. But unfortunately, now even if you go on a run like this, it's not going to be good enough unless these teams start losing ahead of you. And you, it it sucks that you have to I guess depend on these guys to lose because. That's also something that, you know, again, everything's got to go right. And just the percentages keep getting slower by the day. Uh, you need a lot of help from other teams going forward. Uh, unfortunately, a playoff spot at this point seems pretty much impossible. See, until I hear that the Blue Jays are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, part of me will still think it's possible, but I'm out. It's it's not happening. It does look like the team is not making the playoffs and it that they're done right now it, I think that is probably the safe bet because as you just mentioned Bryson even though the schedule is sort of favorable I would say it's a bit 50 50 like you play the Orioles you play the Twins but you also play the White Sox you play the Yankees you play Tampa Bay it's a bit of a, a gamble it's a 50 50 split I think of easy teams and hard teams so you gotta win you gotta I mean you expect to beat the bad teams and look where that got them this road trip I can only imagine what it'll happen at or how it'll happen at home. I mean, hopefully you have those home fans and that could give you a bit of a boost, but I mean, I'm not I'm not betting on them. I don't think is is a, a good way to say it. And then you have those other teams that are going to need to come back or are going to need to start to regress and other than the Red Sox, I are would argue that none of those teams are going to do that. So, it's tough. I mean, the one thing I will say and this doesn't really have anything to do with the Blue Jays is I I think the major league playoffs need to be expanded. That's a story for another day. I I know people didn't like the 16 teams last year. I preferred it or at least more than 10 teams or more than 5 teams per league. But regardless this season, you got to you're not winning the division, so you have to be one of the two teams that are not that didn't win the, their division and it it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So it's tough. It was a overall. It still was a fun season. I think. I mean, that's not to say that the last game is tomorrow and I'm never going to watch again. I mean, I'm still a fan. There's still. I mean, there's no other sports really to watch right now. If if I need any extra motivation to continue watching, so 
I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to cheer. Probably going to lose my voice a couple times watching any of the potential comebacks that we see. But it, it does, I think, come with a bit of a the realization that, yeah, this team, it's probably where the 2014 team was, where it's still fun to watch. It's still very exciting. There's definitely a huge upside and there's a lot of stuff to come. I think are probably a World Series trophy within the next two or three years. But as of this season way too many things have to go right and for that reason as shark tank would say i'm out on them all right well there you have it not a great picture from us on what's going to happen with the blue jays but yeah like there is a best case scenario where the blue jays make the postseason like there is still a chance because you oakland slumping you got that series against oakland maybe they come out they win two of three of those you pick up a game on oakland you start rattling off a few wins you get hot a little bit you put up that whatever it was, 25 and 14, 25 and 13 stretch that gets you in the conversation for those last few series against the Yankees. The Blue Jays' second to last series this season is against New York. So that just goes to show at the end of September, they could have the potential. I know you were saying, Bryson, you think the Yankees are going to be squarely in that first wild card spot, but the Blue Jays could have that potential to take that spot in the last few days of the season. There is a world where that happens. It's just everything has to go right. You got to get Julian Merriweather back in the majors. You got to get Ryan Barucki back in the majors. You got to get George Springer back. Uh, you know, hopefully only missing twenty games. You got to win that series against um, uh, Oakland. You got to win all those series that you have against New York. You got to run the table in the next few games, and you can't afford to keep losing games like these to the Washington Nationals of all teams. So, like that. Things have to go the best possible way over the next 43 games in order for the Blue Jays to make the postseason. And the odds of that happening to me are 5%. And that's why I am out on this season. I'll be pleasantly surprised and I'll be cheering my heart out if the Blue Jays make it to the postseason. But the odds are so incredibly slim that I'm not going to pin my hat and hang my hat on all that. So, um, so many people, as you alluded to, Bryson, blaming... A lot of these games on Charlie Montoyo, it's nothing new. We we come here every week and we say the exact same things about Charlie Montoyo. It's just so happens that it rolls out and it happens to happen in every single game where it seems like you can blame Charlie Montoyo. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just fed up with it. Like I'm fed up with people blaming Charlie Montoyo for all these mistakes. Um, if you have a good bullpen, you're going to look like a good manager. If you have a bad bullpen, you're going to look like a bad manager. At some point, you have to stop making excuses for the guys that the Blue Jays have in their bullpen. There's no one to throw. There's no good pitchers in the bullpen. Okay, you don't want to go to Brad Hand, go to Trevor Richards, who's screwed up before. You don't want to go to Brad Hand, go to Adam Simber, who put some guys on base ahead of Brad Hand, who loaded the bases previously before Brad Hand came in in that Seattle series and walked in the winning run. Like, at some point, you have to stop making excuses for the bullpen and blaming everything on Charlie Montoyo. A good bullpen makes a manager look good. A bad bullpen makes a manager look bad. And to me, it's as simple as that. You look at the best managers in the game, quote-unquote, they have good bullpens. They have good players. Um, that's what it comes down to to me, and I'm so frustrated with people continuing to blame Charlie Montoyo when, yes, on the margins, maybe you can complain about the moves he makes. Maybe you can complain about, you know, Brios was only at 88 pitches. Why do you take him out? But hindsight's twenty twenty. We look back at that. We hear after the game that Brio said he was exhausted. 
he was out of it, right? He didn't have anything left in the tank. So we are on the outside looking in, blaming this guy for the choices where he's making, which basically the choices are between a rock and a hard place. He has no good choices in the bullpen. He could throw a dartboard and choose the names to pitch in an inning. And honestly, I think it would go just as well as it's happening right now, just based on the quality of the arms in the bullpen. Um, It frustrates me to no end that people keep blaming Charlie Montoyo for an issue that if we have to blame someone, you can blame the front office or you can blame the guys who are injured. You can blame Julian Merriweather, Kirby Yates. Imagine where this bullpen would be if you had Kirby Yates healthy all season or Julian Merriweather healthy all season or even someone like Ryan Barucki healthy all season or Rafael Dolis if he was who he was last year. This front office put the names they needed to put in the bullpen It just hasn't worked out. And I don't think you can blame any specific person for that. And it really frustrates me that people are trying to pin this on a guy who, in my opinion, has very little responsibility over what's happened. Yeah. I mean, and if you think Charlie Montoya was enjoying this, I mean, I think we got a pretty good indication of how he was feeling too uh, when Brad Hand was in the game. I think they cut to him for about 20 seconds and he looked, um, you know, I wouldn't say nervous. He just completely looked like he had no confidence. He just... It, it was the face of pretty much all of us in terms of something bad's going to happen here. So, I mean, again, you were talking about it. These are the guys they put together. This is what uh, the front office went with. It wasn't priority number one this offseason for them. Maybe they should have focused more on pitching. But, hey, I mean, they came away with George Springer this offseason. Now, this one coming up this winter, they know what they're going to have to do. They know what their priority is going to be. And, um, yeah, there just there really isn't anybody else. I told you, there's about two guys, not even maybe just Jordan Romano, who you have complete, complete, utter confidence in, uh, in terms of closing out a game for this team. So, I mean, that's the way it is. I'm just saying too, what a story it would be uh, if the Jays can somehow get back into this. Of course, it's still possible, but based on we already we went over this already, it doesn't look good. But of course, you can never rule anything out, and it's funny too because. You know, you talk about a strength of schedule, you talk about an easy schedule coming up, you talk about easy games, and, um, you know, it just, this is a trap series for the Jays, they get swept by Washington, and now this weekend, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how confident I feel against a team like Detroit either way, because I know you're at home, but look what the Jays just did in Washington, and it's kind of funny too, because it, it turns out uh, the Jays weren't the only ones uh, pretty much this week with a an easy matchup to, I guess, blow it, or in terms of disappointing uh, at its finest. So the Padres, of course, they get swept by the Rockies. Uh, the Reds also get swept by the Cubs, or lose two straight, and the Phillies uh, lost to the Diamondbacks last night. There was a tweet of that that just came uh, came out, but you know, for a team like the Jays who have all these opportunities ahead of them, uh, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. The schedule is uh, the hardest in baseball, yes. And then all of a sudden, it turns into one of the easier ones down the road. But it's easier said than done. These guys need to win games. We we literally went live about this uh, yesterday uh, before the game happened in Washington, where I said a sweep was the only outcome of this. And it turns out it completely did a complete slap in the face back to me because well, it was a sweep. We got least. swept. It was, but for the wrong team. And now when you look at it, you're four and a half games out. So that's why, uh, you know, I'm not sure what else to think of. Of course, you can't rule anything out. Of course, people are still going to watch and be excited. Um, I mean, you want a a reason to watch as well. Look at someone like Teoscar Hernandez, who is completely uh, was the story of this road trip in terms of keeping this team somewhat afloat trying to keep or trying to do anything they can uh, to kind of keep this team alive. And, you know, he goes two for four today, a home run and a double. I mean, obviously Marcus Semien uh, also homered. 
I mean, those are guys that have tried to keep this alive. We 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 know about this. Simeon had the go ahead home run today, and the pitching couldn't back it up. So I mean, it's been the same story all year. We'll see what happens. I guess as we head into these next series, as we close out the month of August and of September, there's lots of baseball left, but. You're going to have to rely on a lot of teams to lose on top of expecting the Jays to win these games. So that's where we're at right now. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. It's going to be slim to none. 5% I think is a very, very uh, reasonable percentage uh, because of, just because of those reasons alone. And that's why nothing's guaranteed here from the rest of the way out. See, one funny thing I find is hitting coach Guillermo... Mar- or Guillermo I, don't, I hope I pronounced it right, but Blue Jays hitting coach... Mr. Martinez gets zero hate because the offense is fantastic. It's probably, I think it's averaging 5.2 runs a game, which is like third in the league or or the American league or whatever. He gets no hate. Charlie Montoyo has a garbage bullpen and he gets all the hate for it. Now, if you don't have someone warming up when Tyler Chatwood walks four straight guys, okay, you blame him. But when you acquire Brad Hand, when you acquire Joaquin Soria, Adam Simber, you have Jordan Romano, you have all these guys currently and all those guys that you expected to have in the season and either guys are struggling or not healthy. That's not on your manager. Like there's only so much you can do when you have one reliable guy in your bullpen. And that's why I think that it's, it's quite ignorant to blame Charlie Montoya for this. And at least I mean, like one of the funny things is say it works, say Brad hand gets the blue days out of that situation. They can turn it over to Romano for a four, five out save at best if they absolutely need it, but probably just a regular ninth inning. Say they win that game. Okay. They win the series and Montoya is not as dumb as everyone wants to go on Twitter and say he is. So it obviously didn't work that way, but Charlie Montoya did the right decision or made the right decision and to just say that it's not on the players, I, I don't agree with that. You know, you have Rafael Dolis, not been good all year at all. I mean, I think he started off his first maybe five or six appearances. ERA was in the low ones, low twos. It's almost six now. And he's, he was recently DFA'd, not doing well. You were expecting to rely on him. You were expecting to rely on Kirby Yates. Although I don't really blame injuries. Sometimes it's just tough luck. And... I'm not going to say that Kirby Yates is is at fault for getting injured. It's it's a tough situation for guys, but if you're on the field and you're giving your team a chance to win, then if you're not doing your job, then you're the the blame should be on you. And obviously Montoya's not going to say that. He's not going to say that oh my pitchers let me down or he's not going to call I don't know if maybe there's stuff behind the scenes where you call him out and or call them into your office and whatever talk to him, but that seems probably like the most likely scenario. I mean, if you're Charlie Montoya, you're getting reamed by the reporters. There's only so much you can do when when your reliable guys are not reliable. So it's it's definitely it's a bad situation. And even when you have guys like Adam Simber, he he did have one bad outing in Seattle. Obviously, bad outings are going to happen at times, but you know you that's not on Charlie Montoya. You can't say that you put in a guy and he didn't work or it didn't work out in that situation. So you're at fault. And I think that's just the biggest problem here is a lot of people do use Charlie Montoya as a scapegoat. And I think we've all said that at one point throughout the season is it's so easy to point out and say, well, you put the wrong guy in. Well, look at his ERA. Look at the rest of the guy's ERA. Look at the guy's ERAs that pitched yesterday. 
use your head people like it just it 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 frustrates like the heck out of me when you see people make these just dumb claims that Montoya is a bad manager does he make bad decisions yes does he also have a bad bullpen yes starting rotation even yesterday Alec Manoa didn't fare too well over only three innings it I'm I'll give him a bit of a pass because he's only had I think two bad starts all season but you know if, if you're if you're a fan you got to look at your bullpen and you got to realize that this is not on the the manager. His hands are probably, they're tied. Like there's really nothing you can do and you can't put Jordan Romano out every single game. And even today they had the lead going into the, I think six or the seventh inning. They had three innings that they need to cover. Romano can pitch five outs at best, six outs if they're all quick outs, but he's probably going to pitch, just get three guys out. You got to get two innings out of your bullpen and your bullpen didn't do its job. So it's it's got to be on the players, I think, at this point. And, you know, to say that Charlie Montoya is at fault, it's just, it's very ill-advised to make that type of claim. Yeah. What do you do at this point if you're Charlie Montoya, if you're Ross Atkins? Like, the trade deadline has passed. I was talking about this with one of my Red Sox friends because he was saying how horrible the Red Sox bullpen has been and how the team is in utter free fall and not just the bullpen, but the starting rotation. And it's like, if you're uh, Bloom, the GM of the Red Sox, what do you do at this point? You can't add anyone. It's got to be internal. And, and like you've exhausted all your internal options. What do you do at this point? And basically it's hunt the waiver, um, the, the, the waivers around Major League Baseball, hunt for someone who's not been on the 40-man roster that you can add to your team because that's what the trade deadline is. It applies to people on the 40-man roster. Maybe you add someone like we saw the Blue Jays add with Malik Smith. Of course, he's not a pitcher, but maybe they make an addition like that. Maybe they hope for Julian Merriweather to get back and Ryan Barucki to come back to the majors and Tim Mazes, of course, back in there and Joaquin Soria is going to play into the picture. But, I mean, the options are pretty slim as it is right now, and that's part of the reason why you look at this team and you say they don't have a chance because the clock is running out. And if you look at this team, where they were before the trade deadline, any problems they had, you could always say they're going to make moves at the deadline or they're going to reassess at the deadline and try to retool then. That's not an option anymore. Your back is against the wall. So it's either get better or miss out on the postseason. So that's where the Blue Jays are right now. And it's pretty brutal. And like I said before, my mind is now officially on 2022. I don't see a lane for the Blue Jays to make the postseason this year. It's it's pretty brutal. And another thing that I think contributes to that is the Blue Jays' lack of, you know, for lack of a better word, their lack of a killer instinct. They just cannot win these games. Um, you know, we saw them win, I guess, two close games when they were in Seattle. Or not Seattle, when they were playing Boston at home. Right, they had that walk-off homer in the first, in, first game of the doubleheader where they won 1-0, and then they had that comeback win against Boston in the series finale, and that was it. They they just don't have that late-inning instinct, that clutch hitting, that you know driving guys in with two outs and runners in scoring position. They just don't have that. So for them to now have to put up a fantastic stretch, one of the best 43-game stretches in franchise history, with their backs against the wall, without George Springer, I don't see it happening. I, I just don't see it as a possibility. It is not within the realm of possibilities for me. And uh, I think that's 
probably my final thoughts on this because it seems like the Blue Jays, every time they're on the brink, they make a comeback. But the time is running out. Like, if they had nine lives, their nine lives are gone at this point. They have exhausted all of their luck. The time is running out. And at this point, my mind is on 2022. If you want one Hail Mary, maybe you look for Nate Pearson and Julian Merriweather. Both of them are going to be relief pitchers if they play this season. Both are coming back from injuries. Both of them, Merriweather hasn't pitched since the first series in New York, I think. And Nate Pearson only pitched once in April or May in Houston. So, I mean, even with that, that's not necessarily, like, when I say Hail Mary, I'm using that probably very liberally realistically even if they come up to the to the major league bullpen that's not gonna drastically change them because you still you got to win those games and you know you talk about how their average is in like the low twos a, a couple of weeks ago there was a stat saying it was like 220 or something from the seventh inning or later when the 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 uh the score was within one run i can only imagine that it's worse now or maybe a little better considering the the road trip there was a few close games but they don't get it done. They either, and this seems a lot like the previous era, the 2015-16 era, where they either win by a lot or lose by a little or also lose by a lot if you're in Washington this week. And it's it that can't happen. You're, you're not going to win 10 to 4 games in the World Series or in the ALDS or CS or the wildcard game. You got to learn to hit for power, pitch for, you know, get guys out. You got to also hold a lead, and it it didn't happen. It hasn't really happened all season. They're one of the worst teams in terms of one-run games and bullpen-blown games. So, 2022 is going to be a fun year. We're still going to enjoy this season. Like, I'm still going to enjoy next week. We're still going to have a fun uh, time watching all these games. But definitely, there's definitely a, a bit of a rain cloud over this team, probably for the rest of the season. See... You're right, Jacob. You have Nate Pearson coming back. You have Julian Merriweather coming back. The only problem I have is it might be too late. I mean, and of course, you're right, though, even going back to what Mark was asking, it's really the only thing you can do at this point. Uh, the trade deadline's over, and you pull out of this without really any key ad- things or key additions past the trade deadline. You're really you're stuck internally. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know, because I'm laughing right now just because it's just a mess that's been going on since April and uh, it's unfixable clearly this year. So I, I don't know. I hope something can change. I hope they can go on a run. And of course it's never impossible, but the one thing is for sure. Uh, first of all, you need the, I think you need the Yankees to win. Clearly it looks like they're going to beat the Red Sox um, for people watching on YouTube. That's why I was talking to my phone. I was talking to Siri. Uh, and second of all, the White Sox are currently beating Oakland one, nothing. However, it's early. You need the White Sox to win that as well. Hopefully, it can just stay. The damage can just stay at that and not get worse. But again, depending on other teams to win and lose, it always kind of sucks. But whatever. I mean, the only thing I could take away from too is there's time. The schedule looks favorable. This team is still going to be fun to watch. Besides the bullpen, uh, I'm still definitely going to be tuning in. There's lots of baseball to, um, I guess, happen for the rest of the year. And for those of you as well, if you want anything else to laugh about. Uh, for things to kind of be normal. Tyler Chatwood is back in the major leagues, if people didn't know. He's currently on the San Francisco Giants, and he currently blew the game for the Giants in extra innings to the Mets. He goes two innings. He allows five runs. And uh, yeah, in two innings, he blew the game for the the Giants. So if anybody wants any normalcy, Tyler Chatwood blowing games is still a thing. 
uh, for the first place San Francisco Giants. I'm sure they love that, and we'll see how long he can last on that roster before he's back on the uh, the waivers or waivers. And that's somebody who the Jays can completely avoid because we know who Tyler Chatwood is, and we know how that much how much of a failure that was as well. So there you go, <laughs> lots going on. Um, big series against the Tigers. I'm gonna try and be optimistic, even though I think it's not gonna happen. Sweep the Tigers. Uh, we'll talk about that after. And, of course, after that, you have a tough series against the White Sox, but one series at a time, sweep the Tigers. It's going to be tough to sweep the Tigers. Just full disclosure, they are not a horrible team. Everyone looks at their record and thinks they have fallen off the face of the earth. If you look at the splits since the end of April, they're not a bad team. The numbers aren't horrible. So if we do what we just did against the Nationals and now we're facing a team that isn't horrible, oh, man. Look out. Look out. And yeah, Tyler Chatwood. If you thought the Blue Jays were desperate, Tyler Chatwood. I mean, San Francisco has the best record in baseball. And they're using Tyler Chatwood out of the bullpen in close situations. I don't know. Maybe the Blue Jays aren't the only ones with a problem. Maybe that gives you some hope about what the Blue Jays can do. Two other things. To at least end, or three other things to end this podcast on a high note. The first is friend of the podcast, Kevin Smith, making his Major League debut Thankfully, he did strike out in his one at bat, but still incredible. Awesome to see him get that opportunity. Totally deserves it, and he's an awesome guy. You can go back and listen to one of our earlier episodes in May of last year where we interviewed him, so check that out. Um, The second optimistic thing perhaps coming out of this series is the fact that technically the Blue Jays went 3-5 and on this road trip, not 3-6 and because the first game of the road trip was a home game in Los Angeles against the Angels in the first game of that doubleheader. So that's one other thing we can take away from this road trip. And then the last thing, old friend Drew Hutchinson is going to be starting on Sunday for the Tigers. So one thing to look forward to, even if the Blue Jays are not where we want them to be right now. So we can keep an eye out for that. We remember uh, Drew Hutchinson splits going back to 2015. He couldn't pitch on the road. Hopefully, uh, he can go back to those splits for one game and help the Jays out a little bit here. <laughs> we, yeah, whenever we're looking for whenever, anything, <laughs> whenever he started for the Blue Jays, the offense would go crazy. He would get crazy run support. So hey, maybe the luck will wear off. The Blue Jays will go crazy against him. Who knows? But that's one thing to look forward to. Um, okay, I apologize to anyone who listened to this because probably not the way you want <laughs> to start your day or continue your day. Whenever you're listening to this. Um, very depressing, but we will leave it there and look forward to Drew Hutchinson on Sunday. Until then, you can support our podcast by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Section138Pod. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which just helps new people find what we're doing here. You can support our podcast on Patreon.com slash Section138Pod. And maybe if you give us some money, we'll be less depressed about the Blue Jays losing. (laughs) And then lastly... You can watch our episodes on YouTube, which is uh, just another way to check out what we're doing if you prefer to consume podcasts that way. All right. Three more against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I keep saying it can't get any worse than this, but it always finds a way to get worse. But we will catch you at the end of that series. And the people Sign flashed out its warning